Welcome to episode 14 of OT Conversations That Matter, the podcast. My name is Justine Jecker, and I will be hosting today's conversation on professional identity with occupational therapist Yasmin Frika. Yasmin is originally from France and graduated as an OT at 19 years old in a baccalaureate program. Early into her young career, Yasmin realized that she was having difficulties in her practice as she could not clearly define her role nor communicate effectively within her professional care teams. She was struck by the burnout rate of her colleagues with little that could be done to address the problem due to lack of resources. After two years of clinical experience, she chose to pursue her master's education in Quebec to gain theoretical knowledge and more confidence in her practice. After a year of clinical experience in Canada, Yasmin noticed the profession was more recognized in Canada than in France. However, she also recognized that even with more theoretical foundations and more awareness of the profession, professional identity was still a practice issue in Quebec, which set the stage for her PhD work. As Director of Professional Practice at CAOT for the past three years, I see that OTs questioning their professional identities comes from many places. That many people, both the public and healthcare workers, do not understand the profession, that we tend to gravitate towards other titles, such as specialist titles, leadership titles, or academic titles, and that we tend to use our expertise in different roles which can mask the work of an occupational therapist. With this in mind, I've invited Yasmin and with her research experience to help us dive deeper into the discussion on professional identity and to help day-to-day -day practicing OTs help to work through some of the struggles that they experience. So welcome, Yasmin. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me today. It is such a pleasure. Um, for those listening, we will be uh, airing this podcast en français uh, for next month. So you'll have the opportunity to, if you're interested, listen in both English and French. Um, but for today, we will, we will conduct the uh, podcast in English. And so to get us started, Yasmin... Could you tell us about your preliminary research and what it tells us about occupational therapists in Canada or globally with regards to how we view our professional identity? Yeah, so um, first of all, I think it is essential to define what we mean by professional identity because there are many different definitions, type of identity and theor theoretical approaches. And so I would like to propose an approach that I think is the most relevant to understanding the contemporary issues of our professional identity. So we can see professional identity as a form of social identity where we have to consider two distinct identities, like the identity of the group, like the identity that we shared collectively, and my individual identity, like how I define myself according to this group. So Let's just say that a group is defined by norms, values, knowledge, like in short, a culture specific to this group. So these elements give reference points from which I can identify myself personally. So I integrate this culture by evolving in this group, by being so socialized in it. Okay, for example, is this what happens during the initial training in occupational therapy when When we're at school, we learn not, not only about knowledge and techniques, but we also learn about the norms and values of the profession, like the occupational therapy culture. So 
the identity of the group, in fact, is the identity of occupational therapy profession. And the individual identity is who I am as an OT, what I integrate in my identity that comes from the profession. So that is a distinction, distinction that is really important to make, like the identity of the profession and my personal identity as an occupational therapist, because we don't all identify ourselves in the same way. We don't see the profession in the same way either. And we don't seek recognition in the same way. Like that is another huge issue in identity is that there are a duality in professional identity. Like it's how I define myself and how people recognize myself, like my tasks, my roles, my competence and so on. So, well, when you talk to your colleagues, you probably realize that you don't define yourself in the same way, even though you come from the same profession, because you don't work with the same people, if you don't work in the same co practice context and so on. So, and, yeah. No, Go yeah, on. I mean, yeah, those are some really uh, powerful points. And it, it has me thinking about um, a couple of things, because you were educated in France and you're now in Canada. Um, and in your, it has the story has led you um, to learning about professional identity through your school experience, through your first work experience, and then now through your research. And I'm just wondering, in the in the early experience when you were in school, <clears throat> did you know like what you're describing, this individual identity and this group identity? Did you experience? Did you feel that at the time? Now that you reflect back, that you you were kind of representing two identities in the profession? Actually not. And I didn't realize that until I began my research. Because first of all, I just thought that um, occupational therapy identity was one thing, like collective, individual, it was just one thing. So it's when I start to learn some knowledge in sociology about professional identity that I became to like wonder, do we have like two identities, like the professional one and our, our, our identity? So that's only till that time that I realized they were different. But I always get a sense of, yeah, I know that other people, other colleagues don't define themselves in the same way that I do, but I couldn't put any words onto it. And then there's the idea of the identity within the profession. So being in a in a classroom or within a group of just occupational therapists, right? In terms of forming the identity. But um, in, in reading about your background and the focus on interprofessional teams, there's that collective identity as well. The OT on an interprofessional team and how their identity forms um, outside of the profession. Yeah, because yeah, first of all, you 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 create your OT identity at school, but then it evolves throughout your career. So when you evolve in other practice contexts, like with other people, the interprofessional teams and so on, you have to adapt what you are doing, but what you're doing also um, reflect on how you define yourself. Like it's a two-way thing. So you are just... Your definition of OT is always in construction, always a process of being constructed of being on evolution and so on. So you will you are greatly influenced by the other colleagues that you have because well, two ways. First of all, 
you have to do what people expect you to do. Well, sometimes you can negotiate that. That's another thing. But usually when you have a, a job, you have to do what the what the manager is expecting you, what the, the clients are expecting you to do. So that's one thing that you need to adapt to. And that's another way that you have to explain what you're doing. Because if you want to go out a little bit of the thing that people expect you to do, you have to explain what you do, why you do it. So that's two things. And that's difficult for OTs usually to explain other things, to go outside of the expecting role. So all of those influence are shaping your professional identity. It's a, mostly a process of negotiation. Yeah, I was going to say it is a process of negotiation. And I think definitely early on, but one of the things I'm hearing as well is that this is a journey over time where your identity is evolving. It, you know, it's starting to form when you're in school. It's starting to form when you first get, you have your first job as an OT. Anytime you move to a new team, there's this opportunity for your identity to continue to grow and reform. But I guess one of the things I'm wondering, especially in our, our profession, because um, every OT in Canada knows that whenever we tell somebody what it is that we do, we change our definition slightly in every conversation. I don't know that other professions experience that type of um, that type of identity formation. Almost every time you introduce yourself, you're you're almost reintroducing your identity. I'm wondering if in your research, have you found that is it is it more of a challenge for OTs compared to those in other uh, professions to define who they are verbally? Well, two things like specifically in OT, what is difficult is that occupation is not really a concept that is understood. So the the language they use, our words to describe it, are not very understandable for like most most of the people or the or the other professionals that we meet. But the process of identity formation is studied in a lot of other professions. Like the, the we can we can take for example the the nurse profession, the nursing profession. They write a lot about their professional identity because the problem they have is that people have stereotypical uh, weight of seeing nursing the nursing profession. So there are stereotypes, so it's difficult for them to get out of the stereotypes and have new roles and other tasks and so on. So they have that kind of issue. But it's always a, a matter of what I want to do versus what people think I do, what people will legitimate of what I do. So mostly, I, I can say like a lot of professions have that problem too. It's good to know we're not alone. I mean, it is reassuring that we, um, and I, I think in, in a time where there's so many options in healthcare, there's so many professions and subcategories and areas of practice and advanced areas of practice, depending on where you work, um, you know, it's good to know that we aren't alone in that process. I, th I think that a lot of OTs probably don't think of it that way, especially with nursing, which seems so so well understood as you as you said it's it's such a defined profession but how they have almost the opposite issue where you know um they are put into a box and so getting out of the box is harder to say but we do all these things whereas i think ot's we're not in a box at all and sometimes we wish we were in a box so that it would be easier to tell yeah. people what it is we're doing and 
so I'm wondering, is there something, I guess, at a high level as a profession, is there something that we should be doing differently to improve how we see ourselves in terms of projecting it to others? Yeah, well, actually, the profession now is concerning on um, strengthening the way we see ourselves. So that's what the profession do, actually. They try to define more clearly the boundaries of the profession to reinforce the theoretical knowledge and so on. Like this is what you see with all the developments in occupational science, for instance. Like they are trying to strengthen like our values, our uh, fundamental, our theory, theories and so on, because they want OT to be better equipped to deal with occupation problems and to analyze occupation and try to like be more um like more close to to their values like i don't know how i could say it better but like to 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 be a bit more in education with their values so that's what the profession is trying to do but i think it's a bit restrictive because what about how others see us? Because there is very well useful for, the, for for that reasons to 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 have a better defined collective identity because we need to be able to understand what we're doing and to explain it to others. But we must consider how people see us. We must we must consider the health system needs. Like today what we see of the, the direction that the canada is taking to reinforce occupation like as we see with the um, with the last book that just came out in, in may we go way further in occupation and we kind of expand our roles to something outside of the health system kind of so when we do that it's interesting for us but if we think of how people see us it's like okay you don't even are in you don't even are in the health system now because you're trying to just modify it and go um and um and go beyond it and so on. So that's what is I think is difficult. That if we move too far away from the health system needs, so it will be difficult for us to be legitimate, like to be recognized in what we do. So I just think that the profession needs to consider the how to act strategically to gain a bit more recognition to, to develop the profession within the health system. So I don't know how we can do that really. It's just something that I can see now that we we just must consider it that way as well. Yeah, that's a, a tremendously unique perspective. And, and I completely agree with that. I think um, what's interesting is our profession wasn't born in the healthcare system. We were born in, you know, social humanitarian realm and, and the really in the world of mental health and um, and working with people who were experiencing, uh, well, definitely after First World War, return from war and rehabilitation. But we were brought into the hospital and healthcare setting by the medical profession in order to define ourselves, actually. And what's really interesting in listening to you, this happened 100 years ago, right? And now here we are saying, well, we've been a century as a profession in the medical health system, but we still haven't done a really great job in defining ourselves. And we are 
we are being pulled back out, out of um, kind of the mainstream healthcare system. Uh, and, and it's definitely represented in our new competencies. I think that we'll be talking about this for the next five years to come is how OTs feel that they can engage in those competencies and still feel like a competent occupational therapist and clinician. Um, but I, it, it is a good question. How can we define ourselves within healthcare and not get pulled into a lot of directions? And within my role, when I've seen us being able to do that, it goes back to your thought earlier, Yasmin, when you said we have two identities. We have our individual and collective. I think that that, that way of thinking is actually, that works even within our areas of practice. So we have who we are as an OT in this big picture of OT. And then we have who we are in what we do in our day to day. And usually it's much more specific. And, and what I see the world in, in my role as director of professional practice are areas of practice. And that's just one way to look at it. That's not how all OTs define themselves. But for example, I'm an OT and I'm focusing on global health. So you can ex you use one definition to define the collective, and then as your day-to-day -day work, you're defining yourself differently. But I think with the healthcare system, that's gonna be the difference, is um, we, we need to have that visual, that professional identity strengthened as a collective so that individually, we have more freedom to go in the directions that you know we choose to go in. Um, and, and I don't think it's easy because it does require um, we have to feel confident in ourselves in order to project the image that we want others to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what you're saying, that's something I wanted to say as well, is the, um, when you focus on the professionals themselves, you can think a bit, a bit differently, like the, the, the matters are different. I'd like to consider the multiple identities that we have. Because yes, our professional identity evolved throughout our career, but it's also influenced by the other experience that we have, like the personal experience, like my, my past experience, my personal values, the things I do outside of work that are just shaping the way I do my work. And if you look at the, I think the professionals could be one way to look at that problem. Because and that that's actually what I'm doing in my thesis, because I have I am well concerned about how to strengthen identity to act more strategically. But I think if we study the professionals and like listen to them, we will well they are concretely obliged in the practice to manage different logic. They have to do it. They have to negotiate. Like they have to include the the matters of efficiency. Uh, to negotiate their place, their roles, to carry the action and uh, and change their clinical activities to 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 fit in the in the place they are. So if we try to understand from the professional point of view, maybe we can have some answers about how to negotiate it, how how they are in the day-to-day -day activities trying to fit in the place while staying consistent to their professional uh, influence. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's unique because I it, it makes me think how many healthcare providers can pull in their personal identity. I I'd like to think we all can, right? And in, in any um, field that you work in that you're pulling that in, but I think with 
it, what I'm hearing with what you're saying is that we um, there might be a privilege in being an occupational therapist because occupation happens all day, every day, right? Um, if you go to see, if you go to another rehabilitation professional, for example, you go for a massage, you go for a physiotherapy session, what happens is in the confines of that appointment, like you're going there for that particular benefit, you might go home, you might do some massage or exercises at home, but you're not necessarily mentally engaged in it all day long. Uh, whereas with occupation, it follows you everywhere. And, and there's that professional occupation, there's the personal occupation. Um, and I think it's really fascinating as OTs, because I remember in OT school, we were encouraged to bring that forward. So if you had a background in music, in art, in farming, or something very different, that that identity was encouraged to be, you know, bring that into what you do as an OT. You might not necessarily be doing interventions with clients every day based on your other identity, but it's a part of what you bring to the table. And I think um, I think that's what makes our profession really rich uh, and exciting that you can have OTs in every area. But again, does that challenge the professional identity when it's hard to explain, you know, you know what it is we're doing? You know, is um, is that is that helping or is that pulling away from the professional identity? Well, that that's that's difficult to answer because we 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 need to do both. Actually, we need to strengthen our collective identity and trying to define the boundaries. But we also need to recognize the diversity of all OTs who, which are practicing. So, well, they are, even in the literature, you have like different opinions. One thing that we must like redefine it and be a bit more uh, centered on occupation, for instance. And other thing, no, diversity is great because that's a way to enrich the profession and to see different ways. So for now, I, well, I thought about it a lot, but I think it's very difficult to, like, to think which, which what, what, what should we do? Yeah, and it brings me back to one of, um, in the opening, I had kind of shared that uh, some of the inquiries that I get when people are talking about, um, and, and, you know, we're not a regulator at CAOT, but I often get OTs reaching out, wanting to troubleshoot. Do I leave the profession? Do I stay in the profession? I've been working, you know, in a director position for the last five years, but I don't tell anybody I'm an occupational therapist. Um, I, I think that that's what, what's really interesting is that there isn't a simple way. I, I feel like there's this connection between simplicity and complexity in terms of professional identity and how we can portray that to other people. And when you can introduce yourself in one sentence, you know, I'm the director of professional practice, you know, there's an image that comes to mind, even if you have no idea what that means, you can kind of put it together if you've never heard that title before. You've probably heard of what a director is, you probably know what practice is, you can, you can put it together. But for somebody who's never heard of an occupational therapist, you know, there's that whole introduction that needs to come. And I think that maybe part of what we can do better um, with the professional identity piece is being comfortable in the uncomfortable and also having faith that we have evolved as a profession and that we aren't, you know, we're almost 100 years old, but we we have come a really long way. We have, you know, more than 20,000 occupational therapists in Canada. 
um, around the world OT is recognized. We have our WFOT conference coming up in Paris at the end of August. And so I think too, we, we have to recognize that we're not completely unknown. People do know what it is that we do, um, but we could probably get better at defining for ourselves uh, and how we share with others what our profession is about. Yeah, well, you know, like most other professions now have the same problem is to, to deal with complexity because all the roles are widening. Now, it, it we could not have in our world right now um, clear boundaries that we can get out of the boundaries. It's not, it's not something that is possible because now when you're working in interprofessional teams, because that's the reality now, most in, more interprofessional teams, more collaboration and so on, the professionals are expected to shift tasks, to do other tasks outside of their roles as well, and to define a bit, like to, to work collaboratively, it means really find all the tasks they are doing. So what could be useful with that is not define ourselves with, uh, not define with action or roles, but with the why we are doing thing, we are doing things like explaining the clinical reasoning behind what we do, and not only yeah I can do that or that. It is more okay how I see the situation. Well, in recent research, because a lot of research is going on on interprofessional teams and how to strengthen the professional identity of different professionals, it works when people are more explaining the theoretical foundation, their values, and how they analyze or see a situation. That is, that is better to, to go that way because even if we technically do the same things, we are not seeing the same way and they, are, they don't have the same purpose as well. So, yeah, yeah that's, well. That's a strong point. That's exactly that, that you know, we're not doing the same things and being seen differently. And I, I love that explanation that it's not necessarily task and role oriented, but it's the why. And that might be that that might be the the underlying reason why we feel sometimes not strong about our professional identity, because it's not just this, you know, pinpoint task of this is what I'm doing, but this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, that was really yeah. well put together. <laughs> yeah, because we also have a problem that other professions don't have is occupation is not really recognized as an expertise in itself. So we have like two challenges, like being known and recognized as a profession and show that occupation is really important for health. So we have that two challenges to do. So that's very difficult for us to be confident in, yeah, if I focus only on occupation, that's really important as well for the for the health of my clients. That's some that's a message I difficult to advertise in the health system, I think. Well, and that brings me to another thought. You know, imagine if physicians or um, any of our healthcare team members were actually prescribing, you know, when they're giving us a referral, that they were actually prescribing occupation and not some very minute task or specific, like, you know, uh, a bathroom assessment or, you know, you fill in the blank. If it, if it, if the referral itself was engagement in occupation, 
that might change the the collective professional identity because I don't know how often I think social prescribing is probably the closest I've seen to this concept of occupation being prescribed as you know getting outdoors um, getting involved with the environment that that is a means of improving health but I think the way that our interprofessional healthcare teams refer to us is usually uh, physical equipment or some sort of remedial task, or it might be a home assessment, um, but it's usually this concrete task as opposed to um, go see the occupational therapist to talk about engaging in occupation. Like that might be the beginning of the conversation with how others are viewing us differently. Yes, but that's because people are viewing us in their own length. Like a doctor will only prescribe you what he knows about because it's not his expertise to think about occupational engagement. So I, I just think that the referral process needs to be discussed because do we really need to be, to, does a patient really need to see a doctor to, to have occupational therapy services? I know it's not the case in Canada in some places, but in France, this is the case. Like you can't see an occupational therapist without a doctor's prescription. So I don't, I, I'm not sure if doctors need to prescribe like occupational engagement because we have to do that evaluation and we have to ourselves define, we, we have to explain how we see the problem. Like the, the same way the doctor explains how he sees his problem as well. So it's mostly, I think it's mostly a, a competence of translation. Like I know what I'm asking you, but you, 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 you need to translate it in the words that are meaningful for you in, in your real practice, in your expertise. I don't know if you understand what, what, what I mean with that. No, absolutely. And, and I completely agree. I think we, fortunately in Canada, you know, our referral patterns, uh, most in most places in Canada, self-referral for occupational services, uh, occupational therapy services is possible. Um, and so you don't typically have to go through a doctor, but we're still in that transition, generationally speaking, where more generations prefer to go to the doctor and get the referral before you know, going on to other services, but I would I would agree with you globally. It's typically through that that means, and and I agree that it's not necessarily the doctor who should be understanding what occupational engagement is, but it's it's interesting when again when you look at that si simplicity to complexity um, spectrum, you know, the simplicity when people get sick, they think I'm sick, I'm going to the doctor. That, that's the simple understanding. How can you reframe that in terms of why you see an occupational therapist? You know, I am without occupation, so I'm going to see an mm -hmm. occupational therapist, right? Just well, one answer to that. I think, well, the, the first question is, who are we trying to convince? Like, to whom should we need to explain it? Like, to the doctors, to the other profit health professionals, or to the clients so that they can better understand their needs? Because, you know, if, if what, what I, how I explain occupational therapy to my clients in mental health is, okay, well, we will look at the activities that you're doing in your daily life and why you can't do them or what are the reasons you can't do what you want to do. So that's the simplest thing that I explain when I talk about occupational therapy. So 
if we can recognize that we have just a problem in occupation or activity here, I say activity because there is a word that is most understandable from a client perspective than occupation, like in, in French, actually. I don't know if it's the same in English, but in French, activity is better understood. So if you have an activity problem, you can go to an occupational therapist. I like I like that and it's very similar. I, I think in Quebec you can definitely speak to that, but activity is understood in France and Quebec and probably many other uh, cultures and languages in the world. And it is it is a connector and and it is is a word. I mean, the word occupation has definitely been uh, challenged over time in terms of how that's understood by the general public. Um, but I, I do want to finish the podcast today just reflecting on one of the things you said with the new textbook and the evolution of the profession. And so I just want you to wrap up um, any thoughts you have on professional identity and your your understanding of what's come out in the new book and the, the direction we're headed in as a profession. Okay. So to answer that question, keep in mind that I was raised in France and then I have my first formation in France, my first training in France. So my view on what's happening in Canada is quite influenced by that. So, well, I've always seen the profession as a bit of medical and a bit of social profession. But now with the new book, from what I saw, okay, is that we are moving to a social profession exclusively, like mostly because in the new book, we, we don't really talk about other dimension of performance. We don't really speak about physical dimension, uh, affective dimension, and so on, because that was the, the, the old model. In the new one, it's mostly on occupation. And I feel that it's more um, for people who have a social role mostly, like to have a collective, like to have collective intervention and not only an individual intervention. And I don't know if I see what you mean, but. Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with you. I've had an opportunity to read the book and there's a strong en emphasis on the collective, just collectivity in general and being connected uh, socially is, is a huge thread throughout the book. Yeah, and I feel that we are closer to the social work rather than occupational th that rather than physiotherapists that it was before. Like in France, physiotherapists and occupational therapists are mostly like interchangeable. They're like they are seen like the same, like same profession. We know it's not true, but in the in the public eye, that's like that. But here, I would say that it's more leading towards social work and. The change, well, can I say change agent role or is it Spanish now? I don't no, know. But it, you can definitely say change agent role. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's easier for me to picture what it means. But we, I think that the new book emphasized a lot of what OT can do to change the system, to change the institution and so on. I think they are trying to give the keys for OTs to do that. But in my opinion, how can you change a system you're not in? Like, if you're not in the system, how can you change it? If they don't even recognize the value of what you're doing, how can you say, hey, I'm a leader of change? Well, 
I don't know. That's something that's bothering me with the new book. And well, and again, as I said, it is. I'm seeing this mostly in front of my experiences. It's been such a pleasure having you today, Yasmin, and I'm so grateful to have your um, experience from France in more than one way as a student, as having practiced there, uh, having um, been exposed to uh, occupational therapy in Canada, in Quebec specifically. I think the work you're doing is so tremendous. And for those listening with us today, um, I think one of the big takeaway points is, you know, professional identity is complex individually, we have personal and professional identities, we have collective identities within the profession of occupational therapy, as well as on interprofessional teams and in, in terms of how we project ourselves. And we are in this constant evolution. So we are we, we continue definitely with the new competencies that have come out in 2021 with the new promoting occupational participation textbook. Uh, we continue to define who we are, and I'd like to think we are getting better at it, but I agree that to be effective at making any change, including how we see ourselves, we, we have to be understood. And so I think our voice only needs to get louder in some ways, um, and we need to continue the conversation. So uh, thank you for being with us today, Yasmin, and I look forward to having you back for our French version in August.